This is unstructured. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm really excited. I have an actor out of Canada. He's in Toronto, I believe, originally from Montreal. We'll definitely go into his history. What I like about him is he has been working now for, I'd say, 30 years. He'll have to correct me if the time is off. And not everybody can be a working actor who makes a living at working actor. And he's one of those who you've seen, definitely, but you may not know his name. That's a character actor and really awesome to have him. His name is Tony DeSantis. And welcome to the show, Tony. Thanks for having me. Now, I first um, heard you on a couple other podcasts, but I'd like to revisit. Now, am I correct? You've been doing this for about 30 years? Started uh, professionally in 1982. So if my math uh, is correct, that's about, what, 22 years? I was never good in math. 82 would be 36. So you're closer to 40. I'm, uh, my math isn't do- doing great either. It's It's been a long time, let's put it that way. Now, what got you started? Do you have a, a degree in acting? I started actually behind the camera. I graduated uh, with a BA in uh, communication studies, but my major was filmmaking mm. back in 1976, I think it was, or seven. I think it was seven, 77. And so I started working behind the camera on film crews for about uh, maybe two years. And then I I sort of um, got the, the bug while I was uh, on, on, on crew um, watching other actors and sort of saying, hey, I could do that. You know, I was oh, always good. kind of the funny guy, the ham, the, the class clown. And I did a bit of stand up and community theater prior to that. So... And then I moved to Toronto in 82 and started pursuing it professionally and got all my union cards and, and the rest is history, as they say. That's really interesting. So you worked a crew. Mm-hmm. Um, did you work the crew with the intention of, of going in and ultimately you might find a path? I think Kevin Costner actually started out on crews and, you know, sort of manipulated his way to finally getting something. Was your intent to crew or to just find that path? Uh, At the time, it was really just to, you know, become, you know, work my way up uh, in the crew as, uh, you know, PA and eventually uh, to direct films. You know, that was my my goal. I I had no desire to act at that point. And if I had stayed in, in, uh, you know, crews, I probably would have more money to my name than I do <laughs> right now, you know. Do you crew now? No, I know I haven't uh, since since I got into acting. I mean, okay. if you, with, with the exception of my web series that I just finished shooting uh, this summer, and, uh, you know, I had to wear a lot of hats for that one. Right. I was, uh, you know, gopher, uh, producer, uh, you know, everything – Everything that Dog walker and yeah, <laughs> chauffeur. I think it was called Boom Bats, That's and right. we'll go into that later. I hope. Sure. And now, actually, that to do a quick segue, a lot of people will probably be interested in the different types of jobs on the crew mm-hmm. and how to you know get involved. You mentioned PA and things like that. Did you start out as a PA? Oh yeah, and I, I made two hundred and ten dollars a week. And I had to drive a, a Winnebago on set every morning and then drive it home at night. <laughs> now, today, by today's, uh, you know, union rules, you'd have a different driver driving the, the Winnebago and the PA would just be on set and, uh, you know, w- with limited uh, duties. Back then, we had to do everything. I was the first one on set and the last one to leave. Well, that's a, there's good news in that. You were able to save money because you had no time to spend it. That's right. I remember one time I got home. It was so late and I went to bed and then uh, I heard a noise that I thought was the alarm clock. Got up, got dressed, went into the kitchen, had a bowl of cereal. And I looked out. It was still pretty dark. And I looked at the clock. It was like, you know, 10 after 3. I, I had been asleep for about, you know, two hours and I thought I heard the alarm go off, but it was just, ouch, ouch. ouch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had to be probably a semi walking zombie. Oh, now, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for those who are gluttons for punishment, um, being a PA, is that probably one of the easier 
entry spots? Yeah, that's that's probably the only way to get in. Is uh, you know you can't get any lower than that. You're uh, pretty much the uh, the production slave. You know you have to help out everywhere they tell you to. And uh, but the pay rate is a lot better today. You can make some good money as a PA than when I started way back in the seventies. You know. Now, the good thing about that, I'm guessing, other than, like I said, saving your money because you have no time, is that you are slid in everywhere and help everybody in some way. Exactly. So you get to see every department and you can, you know, sort of uh, find what, what you're good at and where you'd like to to focus your uh, your efforts and abilities, you know. Now, how does one go about um, picking up a PA position? Uh, I think uh, most people just contact production houses. Uh, there's different lists that, that are put out every year by the unions of what's shooting in town. And they usually have a phone number of the production company that's that's doing it. So you would call them and speak to the production manager and say, you know, are you looking for any, any gophers, you know, uh, anybody to help out and they usually have, you know, a couple of positions open, even if it's just around the office getting coffee or whatever. Okay. Yeah, especially, you know, with the amount of, of productions that are being shot today, they they continually need uh, people to help out. Right. Okay. So that's a good place to get your foothold. And you're, you moved to Toronto, and I believe Toronto's become one of the capitals of filmmaking. Oh, it's, uh, it's you know, they, they dubbed it Hollywood North, uh, I don't know, many years ago until uh, I think a lot of... A lot of uh, states in the U.S. started implementing uh, tax incentives to keep production, you know, at home. And uh, so that's when Toronto lost out on some of the productions. But they still do a fair bit. And so does Vancouver. And, you know, because of the proximity to L.A. That makes sense. And yeah. and it's good to represent the city environment. Right. So I think that um, I think Atlanta and Albuquerque are both picking up i think austin has picked up as uh-huh. well but none of those i mean atlanta to some degree but toronto looks like it could be chicago right. or, or detroit or new right. york it's kind of it has that definite um urban vibe i guess i'd say sonny grasso who came up here to shoot uh night heat and a bunch of other series and movies he always tells a story about how one time while shooting Night Heat, they broke for uh, for dinner. So mm. the cast and crew went into some place and had their dinner. And the set outside had been uh, purposely littered with garbage, you know, to make it look <laughs> New York. And when they came right. back out after dinner, the garbage had been removed by the Toronto uh, Public <laughs> Parks Department, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's classic. Oh, that's yeah. classic. Oh, I was just up there this summer. Um it, it doesn't appear like every part of town is quite as, as spotless as maybe. No, you're right. Was. It's it's uh, it's changed a lot from, you know, the, the days of when it was kind of like pure and the sidewalks would roll up on Sundays and the bars would only stay open till one o'clock and stuff like that. It's it's really changed over the years. Yeah, hopefully it, it comes back because ironically, have you been th- to Chicago in the Gold Coast? No, never Chicago. I've been to okay. a, lot, a lot of cities but it's still on my bucket list you should check it out the chicago especially the gold coast area or you know some of the upper end is spotless mm-hmm. i mean it, it actually is what i envisioned as as canada mm-hmm. like, wait this is chicago with a thousand homicides i'm confused <laughs> i guess it just depends on where you are yeah uh, I, I, I definitely thought uh, toronto is neat uh, ton of you know rode the buses around to you know see as much as i could in as short a period as i could but mm-hmm. you could definitely spend some time there i'm sure oh yeah so and i like the fact that you have all those different neighborhoods and areas right and i think that must help a lot with the filmmaking yeah oh yeah to get that uh you know multicultural look you know they can i mean they, they've got an area called kensington market which can you know, look like uh, any Latin American country on certain days, you know, mm. the way they have the, the stalls fixed up with the vendors and everything. Or it could look like a little Italian piazza. Or, you know, they, they, they've really, um, they, now, uh, everything you're, you can possibly look for. 
does a city work with you as a filmmaker and with other filmmakers, you know, to make it as easy as possible, you know, to, to keep the work there? I think so. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I, my only experience has been, you know, with my web series where, you know, we did a lot of guerrilla style filmmaking. Mm -hmm. We didn't really go through all the channels and get all the necessary permits and stuff. Run a gun. Exactly. All right. (laughs) Here's a park. Nobody's watching. Let's go roll it. Well, I think, I think you cast all your buddies in it though, right? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. So you didn't really have to worry about a bunch of takes. You sort of knew what everybody was going to do. I'm guessing. And then wrote it to their, their voice. Uh, no, actually it was pretty well written before I cast it, you know? So, um, hmm. I, I decided to use these guys cause I knew their work and they were friends of mine, but I didn't write it with them in mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But you knew they were pros and they were, oh, yeah. were going to, you know, yeah. do 20 takes to get something they could throw down. Well, we still did 20 takes the odd time. Okay. Well, <laughs> oh, that had to be painful. I, I've been on film sets and it can be stultifying. Yeah. Well, you know, you're you're not always in control of the technical side as well. So sure. you know, you've got... Uh, airplanes flying you got you know wind blowing over uh light stands and whatever so and we had an incredible heat to deal with this summer it was just uh insanely hot as 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 i'm sure it was everywhere in north america yeah i was there in july okay um, early july i think i might have had some of that yeah we were we were shooting end of july into august and we just got hit with that heat wave that just was relentless and uh it it, uh, it it just took its toll you know i can imagine but you know what there's a good side of that better war stories yeah absolutely absolutely now um swinging back around because you pivoted from being in the crew to picking up a line now here in the states the biggest thing to break through is to get one freaking line so you can get a sag card Mm -hmm. is it a a similar situation there that it's you know you can be an extra forever but to get in the union you know to really act you've got to you got to get that line yeah um what what they do up here is they really uh nail you with permits so uh you, you can almost, you know, buy your way in, but it's, it's, it's expensive. Uh, like my daughter recently became a, a member of our union and actually you can't really buy your way in. I'm just saying it, the permits are pretty expensive. So the, the union can, can really, um, it's a cash cow for them, but hmm. um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, you said your union. So are there other unions in Canada? No, no, no. It was just the one, um, uh, acting union for film and TV. Um, SAG or AFTRA? It's not SAG. It's, it's called ACTRA. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, it's, I'd say it's probably easier now for a lot of people because uh, of the, the volume of productions that are going on um, to get those small parts, you know, especially if you're young and well, good looking doesn't hurt, you know, but, <laughs> I'm doomed. I have a face for radio, <laughs> <laughs> but that could be good for character acting. Yes, that's right. Now, um, how does one go about that? Because that, that is the big, you know, big challenge for yeah. anybody young to get that card. You know, it, it's a night or day type of situation. Right. Um, I think the, the advantage the kids have today, uh, is stuff like YouTube, uh, you know, all those avenues that weren't around when we started uh, to showcase your, your talents. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more people are just doing their own, uh, you know, mini productions and, and you know, uploading them to uh, mm-hmm. all these platforms. And it is, a lot of them have caught the eyes of uh, casting directors or, you know, producers and uh, uh I think it's it's really um, it's great. It can really fast track a lot of careers if you're. I mean, a lot of it is timing and you know, right place, right time sort of thing as well. But it, it definitely helps to promote uh, 
you know, your, your, your career, which again, we didn't have back in the seventies. We had to knock on doors, make phone calls and, you know, persevere. Yeah. That's fascinating. I never thought of that. So theoretically somebody could build up a YouTube presence and maybe even if they're not doing like filmy stuff, if they have an audience of say a hundred thousand followers or, Oh, they're a bit of a minor celebrity themselves on YouTube. That might be enough for a film to pick them up just to pull in some of their audience to see the movie. Mm -hmm. I think there are more uh, YouTube celebrities than, you know, we know of. Uh, and a lot of the, I, I've heard a few interviews with some of them and, and they've said, uh, you know, I don't really need uh, Hollywood. I'm making a killing here on my channel, uh, putting out these little, uh, videos and um, you know I've got my audience people know who I am so they're successful in, in their own way and uh, you know maybe not the Hollywood way or uh, on national television but they uh, they're doing they're doing just fine oh yeah some of them some of them are outdoing um, Hollywood so oh absolutely yeah I mean it's it's uh, staggering staggering numbers like yeah there's a guy with the ridiculous name PewDiePie and he has 60 plus million downloads of every video wow those are very real numbers those are scary high wow. numbers I mean that's up there with the uh, finale of mash numbers uh-huh and he's getting them weekly yeah I think uh, I think you know major networks are trying to uh, to uh, pop on to that. You know they're trying to capitalize in their own way. Um, my daughter, who's also an actress, about two weeks ago went out for some movie or new series, and she was describing it to me. And I said to her, "Hey, you know what? There's a web series on uh, YouTube that is exactly that idea. You know, I bet the networks." you know, I don't want to say ripped off, but, uh, are, are doing their own version of it. You know, they had parallel thought. Yeah. It's parallel thought. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they use in the comedy world. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which some of it is true. I mean, when you have like, um, something that's huge in the headlines, you know, there are two people who are thinking of the same joke. Exactly. When the jokes write themselves. Right. And I'm sure that there are, um, legitimately parallel thought, um, pieces like, oh, this particular crime that took place is very Shakespearean. You could pull, you know, <laughs> I, I could sort of see that. Um, but there are others that, yes, they probably are looking and saying, hmm, well, if we could tweak this and do this and do this, yeah. and they're not willing to sell, we'll just move on. Yeah. But it's interesting. So the, the web series now, I'm old enough to remember how web series were a joke. But I feel like they're starting to really come up, and that's with the aid of Netflix and Amazon Prime mm -hmm. and uh, Hulu, that now they are legitimizing things that are created specifically for distribution over the Internet. Have have you seen that coming about? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, there's even uh, – uh, we have an award show in Canada – and they've, you know, introduced a category for web series now. Um, I think it started last year or something. It's 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 gaining popularity. It's, uh, you know, getting uh, uh, it, it's becoming a legitimate, uh, you know, avenue for a lot of filmmakers who don't have the budget to do something, you know, really big. Um, you you can pretty well tell your whole story and, uh, you know, little two or three minute, uh, episodes, which appears to be the, uh, the time span that most people, uh, want to spend on any, you know, given project today. They only hmm. have, uh, a two to three minute attention span before they move on to something else, you know? Yeah. Some of that's really interesting though. Isn't that technology driven as well? Like, um, you have uh distribution platforms such as Instagram, which is huge, but I think they have a limit on their stories of like one minute that's and maybe right. they'll increase it to two. So it, is it possible that some people are saying, okay, well I want, I, I 
yes, yes, I can get it on YouTube, but everybody's on YouTube and their monetization right now is terrible. But if I get it on Instagram, I can lever it or leverage it into uh, something else or a bit more of my Patreon or things like that. So do you feel the technology is also shaping attention spans? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, when I, when I first saw, you know, these iPhones that came out and people were watching movies on it, I said, I, I could never watch a movie on, you know, such a small screen. It's just, it, it defeats the purpose for me, but you know, I'll hop on the subway and almost everybody's watching some TV program or, you know, web program. And uh, so it's, it's definitely, it has its, uh, its audience, you know, and more people are, I think more people are giving up their cable TV uh, or they hardly watch TV anymore, except for, like you said, Netflix, but again, they can watch it on their mobile device, you know, so Sure. And it's a la carte too. Like I, I feel like, I feel like the cable companies have been shoving it down forever that you're going to buy this package for the one channel that you actually want to watch, but you've got to watch it on your schedule. And now people are saying, no, yeah. okay, I do want, I don't, I don't know what I'm watching. I don't even know what network it is. I just like this show yeah, and I want to watch this show when I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's starting to flip everything on its head. And yeah. It's dictating the whole, uh, the whole medium and how things are are, going to work from now on. Now in that, I think there's good and bad though. Um, I think that it's bad because it's diluting the product, but it's also good because I feel like the superstars or the big name stars are less powerful than ever that there are so many opportunities there's so many outlets that other than the, you know, the few um, big tentpole films a lot of people can find work that they never could find before mm-hmm. would you agree with that um yeah i mean uh, it's funny because on netflix I'll, I'll sometimes stumble on a film that i don't remember seeing in in theaters uh, with, you know, some really heavyweight names in the cast. And uh, I, I guess, uh, hmm. I mean, I guess they're, they're getting these parts because of their track record and their, their name. Um, sure. Um, is it creating more work for newcomers? I don't know. Well, it seems like at one point we had three networks and an alternate. Right. I'm speaking state-centric because that's all I really know. And now you have all these cable networks that are putting out legitimate product. You have the AMCs. Right. Who are they? They played old movies at one point, but they now put out shows that are legitimate. Yeah. Um, And I don't even remember where all these shows are, but you have the Fargos and the... um, all these great series and different channels like sci-fi and and it's spread all over the place, but the networks still have to put out their shows. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's, that's more output, but thinner ratings for all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think primetime TV is, is taking a hit because of uh, all these other, you know, great series like uh, house of cards, uh, you know, Paul Saul, um, uh, Peaky Blinders, you know, all these amazing series that... uh, And none of those that you just mentioned are on any of the big names that we know of. That's right. They're all these other channels who are saying, okay, we want to get in this content game. We're just going to go and really target cool stuff that people haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. And that's that's more shows. Now, I feel like every show, no, there's not going to be a Seinfeld... Um, you know, 70, 80 million finale ever again. I so I think those days are done. But maybe that's good. Um, probably, <laughs> probably. Because I feel like it, it sucked all the air out. Now, I'm wondering if, you know, there, there are more and more and more opportunities for somebody who's just saying, I'll work anywhere, I'll do anything, and I'll pick up a hammer, or I'll hang a light, or I will go say a line. Whatever I got to do, there's something for them. Yeah. No, it definitely opens up uh, the playing field and uh, and all these uh, these new uh, like like you said, Amazon, uh, you know, Prime, Hulu. They all want product, 
So, uh, you know, people are, are dying to, uh, submit stuff, you know, they're, they're busy, uh, busy, uh, producing, uh, you know, series and anything that they can pitch. Now your web series, is that, um, a goal you have in mind yourself is to, you know, write, create series, get your name on the map and maybe get the series picked up or get known as a writer director and maybe pick up, um, some work on other series. Um, you know, that's a possibility as well. Um, it, it makes for a great calling card for sure. Um, but I really, I, I'm just, um, I guess, tired of uh, the lack of roles for, uh, you know, actors in my age group. Um, mm. You know, there are few and far between now. You know, I think most of us go out maybe once a month for an audition, whereas in the old mm-hmm. days it was a couple of times a week. So, uh, and there's, you know, because there's still quite a few of us in the biz, we're all competing for that, uh, that small part as the, uh, as the father or the grandfather or whatever, you know, senior cop, um... yeah. you know, the, uh, the store owner, the cab driver, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I just wanted to create something that was fun to do, uh, with characters that, uh, I knew, uh, um, I wanted to play and other, my other friends were, were good at. So it was just, you know, creating work for, uh, for everybody in, in our age range, you know, cause, cause the, the series really has a lot of older characters, which might hurt my, uh you know, trying to pitch it because, uh, I, I've looked at a lot of web series and, uh, it seems to be, you know, the average age is about 22, you know, 18 <laughs> for the lead characters. Maybe, but you know, you're, you're kind of shooting for green space then, right? Because everybody is doing this range. You're saying here's an alternate range. Yeah. So it it could actually be of a benefit. I, I, I hope so. You know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people my age are just starting to to watch, you know, web series and stuff on YouTube. So they're they're not the uh, the the demographic that, uh, you know, are used to, you know, this sort of, uh, um, you know, platform. But um, I think I think it's growing. You know, the numbers are definitely growing. Which is, it, it's good. It's such a strange inflection point. You're of a, a generation, and I'm not that far behind you. I'm an Xer. And so I remember, you know, all the way from the rotary dials through the beginnings of the internet, and not everybody is comfortable with it or they understand it and they feel overwhelmed by technology hitting them. And you're speaking of your age group. I think a lot in your age group is and older especially, is starting to actually discover the web and discover things like Facebook. Like that's something you may want to consider is distributing on uh, Facebook or doing Facebook Lives because there's a lot of people who are looking at that. Right. Yeah, that's one of the things we, we've been planning. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. But um, that education, I think, is is part of the holdback. You know, as people discover, you know, more and more will actually come on and come on and tell their friends you know, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm watching this. What? How does that work? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I see it all the time. <laughs> it's it's the same people whose uh, VCRs used to flash 12 o'clock. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. See, aging myself. I had the spinning clock sets and the dip <laughs> switches on the VCR that was top loading. Oh, yeah. Now, the really sad thing is I can tell you that we can laugh together. But there are younger members of the audience who say a VCR. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was a place it, where my kids would store their sandwiches sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it, and then later on, it was replaced by the DVD um, coffee cup holder. That's right. The coasters. Yeah. Exactly. So we, um, we've moved through time and technology to store our food, food products <laughs> and destroy now to pivot back around, what was your big breakthrough? What what happened that you got your first line and that you got your um, SAG card? 
when I moved to Toronto, um, I was really lucky because I, I got an agent probably within a month. Um, I auditioned for a commercial for beer and I got that, you know, oh, within nice. like two months. Then I became a, um, a semi-regular on a sort of a sketch comedy show called Bazaar, hosted by oh. John Biner. And Super Dave was on it. Uh, what's his name? Bob Einstein, who now is on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, that's um, uh, 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 Albert um, Brooks' brother. That's right. Now you know why Albert changed his name to Brooks. Yes, yes. <laughs> but they had the same hair. Same hair. Uh, Bob was a strange man. Uh, he would always tell stories about his, his father who was in vaudeville. And uh, um, in terms of comedy, I think Albert is was a lot funnier than Bob. I don't think they were on, you know, good terms. But again, I'm I'm speculating here. I don't really know. Hmm, for sure. Okay. Anyway, but that's that cool. Was, you got to work with them. Sorry. It's awesome. You got to work with them. Yeah. Well, um, we were sort of a, a a troupe of actors that I think for about three seasons. Every summer, we would go in. And just play like the the waiters, the maitre d, the you know the different characters that appeared in the sketches with John Biner and uh, you know whoever else was was guest starring that week or whatever. And it became sort of like uh, um, stock theater for uh, TV, you know, uh, or summer stock for TV. I mean, because every summer was the same group of us. We'd get together. Mm. It was a great gig, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Good and, training, too. Yeah. I mean, comedy is so difficult. I've heard it say that it's easier for a comedian to go into drama than the reverse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not only did you have a steady gig, then that's, I'm guessing, where maybe you sharpened your chops? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, 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 my comedy background was... Uh, I started back in Montreal doing stand-up and uh, um, sort of sketch comedy as well. And um, this was, you know, before I sort of went professional. Uh, it was just sort of a training ground for me. But I, I definitely got to uh, to hone uh, the uh, my timing, the comedic skills, and stuff. And and it it def- definitely came in handy on sh- on a show like Bizarre. Um, except when I would sort of go off script and ad lib, um, <laughs> it, it got laughs, but, uh, was not, uh, something that Bob Einstein approved of. Uh, he, okay. he made sure that all the, the jokes were, had his stamp on it, you know? Ah, uh, okay. Okay. So he was maybe a touch sensitive, a little, sensitive, a little protective, but okay. Well, I guess that was his prerogative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I understand in your stand-up days, you came across somebody we may have heard of. Yeah, whatever happened to his career? I don't know. I don't know. He he disappeared. Who who was that again? Jim Harry or... Rhymes with that. Yeah, I don't know. So what happened with that? How did you come across um, Mr. Uh, Carey? We opened for him in Montreal, uh, and we bombed that night. Uh, this was my, my friend and I. We were doing like a comedy duo. Oh, okay. And uh, Jim, after the show, gave us a little pep talk and sort of you know told us not to give up and that he uh, he had been there many times. And, and um, I remember he was – you know, you, you you know just by looking at some of these people who's going to make it and who who won't, and he mm-hmm. definitely had it. You know, like he had that charm, that charisma, that uh, loads of talent for sure. And, you know, extremely funny, and uh, um, you just knew that this guy was going to make it. He was ambitious, he was driven, and uh, at the time, I didn't know anything about his background. I only mm-hmm. found out later on. Uh, you know, had a pretty horrific childhood, but uh, I guess you know that that fueled his uh, his desire to to succeed, and uh, he did. 
Sounds like he was very generous too. Yeah. It seems like a lot of the very, very top people you will hear sometimes how, how really generous they are mm-hmm. and, and, and really approachable. And that may be part of the reason that they are such influencers because people just want to be around them and yeah. are thankful to have them in their lives. Now you haven't always had that though. I think you described there's been some possible prima donnas on sets that you've dealt <laughs> with and things like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's just their, their insecurities. They're a little nervous they're And I guess uh, they have to show everybody on set who's number one um, just so that they can feel good, you know, but it, it was neat. Like there were, I don't know if I mentioned it on the last time I was talking about, you know, people that I worked with, but um, uh, what's his name? Um, Oh, it escapes me now. Uh, He was uh, Armand Assant. Do you know that actor? Not familiar, but I'm terrible. You've seen him him, uh, on on tons of things. I mean, if you Google him. I'm sure. Um, Good-looking guy, and um, he did uh, something with Stallone. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was a futuristic film. But um, he he did the the gaudy movie. Oh, yeah, I know. You, you've seen it. You saw his picture, yeah? Yep, 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 yep I know. So anyway, the, on the first day of shooting of this gaudy thing, uh, we're, we're outside in a, at a football field, and our sons are playing on the same team. And we did the first take. And after the first take, uh, he came up to me and whispered, how was I? Was that okay? Hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, this guy is like a star and the star of the show. And he's asking me if, uh, you know, if, if his uh, performance was okay, you know. And it's sort of awesome. Made, yeah, it made me feel a lot better because I was just as nervous, you know. You know what? That that's why he's a top performer. Um, Tiger Woods. Um, you might have heard of him. He's a golfer. I think so. Yeah, he consults a coach all the time. When he's not playing, he's swinging. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Clapton. Some people know him as a halfway decent guitar player. He'll fly around the world because he hears a guitarist doing something that he's never heard or seen before, and he <laughs> takes lessons from all these people. Uh, these guys who are in the top, 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 top nosebleed section, they're striving to learn. And I personally think that that is so phenomenal and such a, a great example. And I'm, I'm happy you shared that because that's, that's cool. That's saying this is this guy, he's on it. And you know what? He's not slipping because he's always striving. Yeah. And he brings you up too. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, hey, I'm learning. So now you can't go around saying, oh, I'm almost as good. No, you're going, oh, shoot, I, I need to, beyond i gotta study my lines another uh, another story too uh, do you know the actor philip bosco new york actor yes a lot of uh, street blues mm, no you're, you're oh, thinking no. of stephen bochco i think okay uh, he's played like a lot of judges and uh another character actor whose face you sort of go oh my god i've seen him hundreds of things stephen bosco what's philip, the first name philip bosco yeah i'm terrible about these things but yep i've seen him Okay, so we did uh, uh, this movie FX2 together. Uh, cool. I think, um, I think Dodi Fayed was one of the producers. Actually, he was, yeah, because we, we, we broke for lunch one day, and uh, Brian, is it Brian Brown, the Australian actor? Oh, yeah, yeah, who was with Tom Cruise and yeah. the so cocktail. Brian yells at uh, Philip. You know, Philip, come on over and have lunch with uh, Dodie and the rest of us, you know. And Philip <laughs> looks over at me because he was already at my table. And he said, no, it's okay. I'm going to sit here with my friends. And I thought, wow, what a mensch, you know. Like, he could have gone and joined the, the brass and uh, sure. the elite. But he, he chose to have lunch with uh, with the, 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 the blue-collar boys, you know? <laughs> well, and he's, uh, he, as you put it, a great character actor. Maybe he considers himself as just a guy. Um, yeah. I, I know. Yeah. Uh, my dad, um, back in the day, he b- built a set for a movie called The Wraith. And Randy Quaid, uh, you probably have heard of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he was on set, and 
he'd hang out with my dad and the other, you know, construction workers bumming cigarettes and just BSing all day. I don't know. I, I think it's just people are people. And it, it's really cool when, when somebody lets their guard down yeah. and, and, and just is one of the crowd. Like it's a collaborative project. Now you do a lot of stage work too, I believe, right? Uh, I did uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I was um, working pretty well nonstop. Uh, I haven't done anything probably in about a year and a half, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But there was uh, two of the shows that I was in. I think the last two shows, one uh, sort of Toronto's version of the uh, Tonys. For, oh, nice. Uh, outstanding ensemble. And uh, so that was kind of neat. That's really cool. I, when I was there, I was told that Toronto is, you know, major, major theater hub mm-hmm. and, um, one of the top in the world, especially during a tight, a particular season. I think that award season you were talking about. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much good theater going on in Toronto. It's, uh, it's hard to keep up, you know, like, uh, now does that help fill in between the, uh, film roles and, uh, I'm guessing commercial work has got to pay some bills. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of commercial work in, in the in the last couple of years. Um, it's I think what the problem, from what I understand, is that a lot of companies have decided to go non-union. Uh, mm. So the uh, we've lost a lot of commercial work to the uh, non-union actors, and uh, you know it's just cheaper for a lot of these. Um, agencies to go that route you know they they save money with royalties and residuals and stuff like that that makes sense as a filmmaker how did you go about it were you union or non i was union i had to do it as a co-op so uh everybody became shareholders but nobody got paid if the series makes money then we we split it up good so it's nice to see that there is a route to Mm -hmm. work with union actors Mm -hmm. and, and be able to do something because otherwise you might be kind of trapped. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've looked at so many web series that had great concepts, but the acting was just subpar and it really was distracting, you know, at times it, it, it sort of starts to bleed into the unbelievable side, you know, like you have a, sure. a 22 year old playing a forensic specialist uh, <laughs> on and you sort of go, Hmm. I don't really buy that. God, that would be an interesting avenue, but it would be hard. Like if you guys are between jobs or just you know wanting to do something to pick up other people's work as a co-op too. Like if there's some good writers out there, you could say, Hey, have crew will, you know, will produce. Yeah. Well, I think once you get into uh, that, that sector, you know, a lot of it is word of mouth, you know, like you can go from yeah. one to the other, uh, and, and with the different crews that you work with, they're always looking for, you know, talented uh, cast members. And, and the same with us, you know, we want, uh, you know, crew members that are top notch that, you know, are affordable, you know, cause they have to be paid. So, but they don't always charge their normal rate, you know, just to help out the, the different uh, productions around that are going around. That's cool. Now, I'm going to switch back to what I mentioned earlier about technology because, again, I'm curious. I feel like the equipment is getting so cheap and so good that you can really do some remarkable stuff. I know at least one feature film that I believe went to festivals was filmed on an iPhone. That's right. I heard the same thing. Was that the one with... uh, Don't remember the name of who did it. It uh, The Florida um, Project. Was that it? It could be. It could be. Um. It's one of those, I'm, I'm yeah. terrible with the names on that, but I find that remarkable because that was like two or three years ago mm-hmm. and the iPhone now is doing 4K, right. um, 60 frames a second or, or, or minute, sorry. Um, it really, really, really high quality. Yeah. And, it, and also LED lighting seems to be going down cheaper because if I'm, if my memory serves correctly, it's not the camera, it's the lights. If you can work the lighting you can use an iPhone and make a beautiful film. That's right. Yeah, the quality is amazing. Uh, I remember when I was first starting out and trying to raise money, a friend of mine said, you know, you could shoot it on an iPhone. I said, yeah, I know, but it's sort of hard, you know, you, to put it on a tripod and stuff like that. You know, it's, sure. it, it's not quite there yet uh, as a user-friendly, uh, you know, filmmaking tool uh, i think eventually they'll have all the gadgets 
you know, ready to go for full production. But I don't think it's there yet. Yeah, it's kind of funny because thinking about that, the iPhone has the technology inside, but I think from some of what you're t- describing is, is the weightiness. Like you almost want to put that tiny iPhone into a bigger, heavier container <laughs> yeah. to right. hold it steady. I mean, yeah. I there are, um, oh God, I forget, yeah, gimbals and things like that that help. And I'm I'm wondering if if that maybe that's part of the solution. It's like yeah, you have like you know because you want you want your dolly shots. You want and you need a great viewfinder that you can see what you're filming. It's sort of hard if you put your your iPhone on a on a uh, what, what, what's that uh, surfboard? Not a surfboard. A uh, with wheel. sure a, a tripod gimbal. Uh, no, the actual thing that you stand on. Uh, I'm blanking now. Oh, not a surfboard. Um, yeah, a, uh, four wheel, four wheels. The a dolly tracking, huh? A skateboard. Okay. You know, if you literally if you put a phone on a skateboard, it, it becomes like a dolly. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. I could see that, and actually, come to think of it, the iPads do very well too. So that takes care of your viewfinder if you wanted to mount up an iPad. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but the quality is not as good. It's close now. Yeah. The, the pro, the new pro. Oh, yeah. Every year they it, like year over year over year they're just putting the iPhone cameras and the iPads and I don't know. It's just interesting. And I'm, I wondered if you had considered doing that just for the gimmick factor of it. And I'm not trying to be rude, but like you could say, filmed on iPhone. Here it is, professional quality, and maybe get that boost of um, publicity by Apple or somebody else. Yeah. I think there's there's been a few productions that have sort of hopped on that. Uh, Stole it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I'd be a Johnny come lately in that respect. Okay. Well, always, always cool to throw ideas out there. <laughs> so now to wrap some things up, what is next for you? Uh, well, the, the web series is currently being edited as we speak. I hope to have a rough cut by, uh, next week and uh, some tweaking some uh, notes a uh, little little uh, little cutting corners a uh, little you know tightening up here and there and uh, and then we'll, we'll hopefully release it uh, maybe mid-november uh, oh, cool. yeah I'm not sure if it'll be YouTube or or what we haven't decided yet but uh, okay and then shop it around you know get it as, into some festivals um, and see what uh, what kind of momentum we can get, hopefully. So it, these are paths you may want to consider, like, you know, maybe roll it out to iTunes and Google Play Store or whatever to start and, and maybe be able to, to sell some of it to help, you know, get some of the money back there and then release it later, you know, like in a staggered release um, to the freer market mm-hmm. with some maybe hopefully word of mouth behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of that. So, yeah, that's just different things that I've seen done. And now you forgot to say the name. If you're going to plug oh, it, oh, Boombots. <laughs> you said it earlier. You said it earlier. I know, but you got to oh. throw it out there a couple of times. It's been almost an hour. What's it about? Oh, uh, yeah, I, for, I forgot to, to mention all that. It's uh, it, it centers around Bobby Boombots. He's the uh, black sheep of this Italian family underachiever, sort of the uh, chronic gambler, uh, womanizer, all-around loser. And he's uh, constantly trying to impress his older brother, Lorenzo, who's a retired financial uh, analyst, uh, great pension. He's the apple of um, Mama's eye. And uh, I play Mama, by the way. Oh, nice. Actually, it was, was, um, I'm basing it on my aunt who lived to be 105. My great aunt, actually, was my father's aunt. And uh, so it's, uh, I'm pretty well doing her. And she passed away uh, last year. So it's a nice little tribute to her. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, she's uh, she you know she runs the uh, the family with a a tight fist, and her her credo is always more food. You know, whenever there's a problem, it's <laughs> keep eating. You know that that'll solve everything. You know, and um, so it's really just the uh, the crazy adventures and uh, situations that they find themselves in. Uh, Bobby Boombats owes a ton of money to the local mob. 
So in order mm-hmm. to pay it back, he decides to go back and work for them. He's had some dealings with them in the past. And so that leads to all sorts of comedic and uh, unfortunate. Let me guess, he's not the most uh, competent employee they've ever had? Not the most competent employee, no, absolutely not. Fantastic. No. Now, where else can people reach you? Like Twitter? Uh, Twitter, yeah. Uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm not on Instagram yet. I mean, I have registered for Instagram, but I don't have a smartphone, so I don't. Uh, I can't upload. It's hard with the flip phone, you know? That's that's true. Yeah. That's true. Build your presence and get a social media manager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Now, everything is under uh, Tony DeSantis? Uh, yeah. If you Google Tony DeSantis actor, it'll have all of my Facebook and Twitter info, and uh, it'll have the uh, the the, uh, the Boombots page as well. Cool. We and on that note, people... I don't know. Did you see the demo we did... Uh, about a year and a half ago. I haven't gotten to Okay. That You'll see it's a two and a half minute uh, scene that uh, we did around the dinner table with Mama and the two sons. Oh, cool. Oh. Is it on YouTube? Yeah, or, YouTube. Or just... You just have okay. to Google, uh, uh, type in Boombots. Uh, I think it's IPF, which was the uh, funding uh, organization that we were applying to at the time. Oh, okay. We've since okay. had to recast the uh, the Bobby Boombots role, but ah, okay. you'll see the older uh, actor playing that one. Okay. Are you going to be releasing a trailer anytime uh, for what's coming uh, up? Probably before we upload everything, the trailer will come out for sure. Yeah. Again, not okay. not till mid mid November, I don't think. Okay, it's a lot great. slower than I had anticipated. Well, it's tough. I mean, <laughs> you're everybody. You're a producer, director, yeah. sound guy, editor, and I'm not. I have a life on the side. Uh, oh, okay. I've got an editor who's putting it together. I send him my version of it. You know, with what little knowledge I know of editing, it's like here's a sample. It's almost like doing stick drawings. You know. Sure. This is what I'd like. Yeah. Can you do that, but make it better? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like this, but a lot better. Well, awesome. Hey, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. This was great. Hi, this is Kara Mayer Robinson, and I host Really Famous. I interview A-list celebrities. I dive deep because I used to be a therapist. This is what Tim Gunn said. I just have this antipathy for the judges. I can't stand being in the same room with them. Tim Daly. If you're not working in L.A. and you're an actor, there's no worse place to be. Michael Rappaport. I changed schools every year from the third grade to the twelfth grade. Disruptive was my thing. Chaz Palminteri. I knew something was going on. I said, I got to talk to somebody. It's really famous. It's like eavesdropping on a therapy session.